This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Georgi Hazaradze. I hope I got that right. And he is the CEO and founder of Aurox, which is a cryptocurrency trading and finance platform. He has a lot of information, a wealth of knowledge on cryptocurrency and trading and how that all relates to the financial world. So, Yogi, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So how did you get started in the trading space? Were you a day trader? Did you do any financial aspects before you got into crypto? Share a bit of a, a brief history for us. I mean, um, I did have a little bit of experience back when I was in, in high school. My uncle actually uh, day traded for most of his life. and He got me involved in, in stocks back a long time ago. I mean, it was just very brief, but um, r- really we got into crypto uh, trading investing from uh, my partner who first uh, started investing in cryptocurrency back in 2016. Um, and that's when I started getting involved a little bit as well. Um, uh, we did some trading back then, and then that's kind of how we came across, you know, uh, or how we ended up creating Orox ourselves. So how did cryptocurrency fit in? Did you just decide to dive in? Was it this epiphany moment of cryptocurrency is the way for you? Or what led up to you deciding to go into crypto and not just stay on the more traditional stocks and trading kind of route? Um, to be honest, we just, um, we ran a few other companies and we were just investing our profits into cryptocurrency, um, back in the day. Um, I had used Bitcoin before when I was, uh, paying some of our developers, you know, when it was worth like just a couple of dollars. Um, so I was familiar with it. And then my partner started investing more heavily into it, which got me involved and, um, yeah, we just saw a lot of potential in cryptocurrency back then. And that's um, at that point, we were just thinking, you know, why invest in, in these other projects when we can just invest in our own uh, business and create something out of it? That makes perfect sense from someone that has run companies and I'm a very entrepreneurial person. So I totally see where you would look at it and go, why would I invest in somebody else's system when I can just build my own and put my put my efforts there exactly yeah um you know we started so many different companies at that point we saw a huge potential in the future of it and we like running businesses so uh you know we just uh took all that money that we were investing in others and just uh created our own own business what was cryptocurrency like back then because you mentioned that you were trading it and possibly like spending it as well where some people probably don't even know what it is even then so did you actually spend cryptocurrency way back when it started um i was uh, i was personally using it to pay our developers because they were you know all over the world um it was just very simple for me to buy bitcoin and send it to them than having to deal with the banking systems back then and it it still is uh, we still pay a lot of our developers in in stable coins and bitcoin and Ethereum and stuff but um I think back then it was just there was just so much insane hype uh, going around, um, and um, 
I don't think a lot of people really knew what they were doing, to be honest. Uh, and that's why those, you know, during the ICO crazies, there were just so many companies that just robbed people blind or overpromised and underdelivered, um, or just simply went bankrupt. Um, so there was just a lot of hype and speculation. I mean, there's still speculation currently, but back then it was just a whole different world of speculation. It was just, um, I would come across new projects and I was like, you know, why do you even need a token for this? Like <laughs> you're just taking a real world, uh, <laughs> uh, product and just doing an ICO on some, you know, like, what's the point of this? And sure enough, most of those companies did not end up doing anything. So what do you say to the people that think that the whole cryptocurrency space is a bit of a bubble? It's all built on marketing. It's all completely intangible. Like it, it can be so hard for people to wrap their brain around it while there's so much that happens regardless of what people say. Like people will say that Bitcoin could be going up and then the next minute it crashes through the floor. And same thing with a lot of other things. A lot of it is built on speculation but is the whole industry that way or is there a way of making it a bit more tangible and people can touch it for people yeah um so there's definitely still a lot of speculation um there's um, a lot of projects that are just uh you know they're spending 90 percent of their money on marketing because it's just so easy for someone to create a token and you know spend a couple hundred thousand dollars and turn it into tens of millions of dollars um, on the backs of other people, which, you know, I mean, that's basically what is driving that narrative still to this day with people that don't understand the in-depth, uh, and the technical part of cryptocurrency. Um, there's actual real use case. And when I say this, people are going to doubt me, but there are actual real use cases of certain things. Um, now Bitcoin is still speculative in my opinion, and it'll remain speculative, um, because there's no actual utility other than really store of value. Um, and even at certain times, it doesn't do that as well when it crashes like 50% in a day. Um, but when you look at some of the other um, Web 3.0 portions of it, uh, Ethereum, uh, Polygon, uh, Binance Chain, et cetera, um, there are actual utilities that drive um, those tokens. Um, you can automate the entire financial industry with just a few lines of code. Um, although like the, the problem currently is that all of this is being washed out uh, in the news by all the speculation and all the, the bad aspects of crypto um, because those are what gets clicks. So the news writers are writing about it. So the general public only knows about, you know, the speculation, but they don't know about the actual tech stuff. No one's going to read the tech side of crypto unless you're actually interested in it. Do you find that it's actually harder for people to wrap their brain around it when they see some of the results of the speculation? Like if, if they see this report in the news or they read this article, and let's say for argument's sake, the industry goes the way the article would say that then confirms their belief that, Oh, I've got to follow the news and read this, that, and the other thing. And that can inform my decision and everything will hopefully work out great. But then someone can read the same information and then the industry could go the opposite way from what people are saying. And you hear terms like, you know, buy the dip and all of that, that just 
completely irritates me a little bit because there's no way of them knowing actually 100% of the time what's happening and you've got newbies advising newbies in a way that puts me off from investing altogether if I'm being brutally honest because it doesn't make a whole heap of sense to me and it's like the more information I get the less I seem to be able to make sense of it but the more you know, the harder it can be because there's so much conflicting, conflicting information out there. Yeah, that's, I guess, uh, one of the, uh, I don't want to say downsides, but there is, that is one of the sides of crypto that, you know, people end up buying the token and they get so involved in, in that company that they go out there and, and promote it to other people, which technically in, in, in the capital market is not legal. Um, but you know, there um, with crypto, it is a gray area. Um, so they're able to say that, and and, and so on and so forth. But um, that speculation is a, a potential problem in cryptocurrency because you see uh, tokens that have absolutely no use, um, like the the dog coins and stuff that are just pumping and dumping every single other day. Um, and, it, and honestly, it just doesn't. People are just getting rich off of it, but they don't understand that they're actually going against the entire cryptocurrency market by doing that. Um, when a normal person sees that, or when a government uh, agency sees that, what they're going to do is, you know, either they're going to call the entire business a scam, or they're going to implement some regulations that's going to hinder the growth of the projects that are actually doing something. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a problem, and unfortunately, you know people want money um, and that, that greed drives them to pump these coins that are completely useless just so they can dump it on everyone else. So would you classify yourself as a, a day trader then? Like when you have conversations um, think, with people about it, what do you describe yourself as? Sorry, I think you cut out a little bit there. Oh, did I, sorry about that. Um, so what do you describe yourself as in the cryptocurrency space? So let's say we're both very well-versed in the industry and we're talking about how you spend your time. What do you say to those people? Um, what I describe myself as, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I like the technology side. I, I, I know I founded the company, but I do like the technology side of cryptocurrency specifically, you know, like the, the, the decentralized finance and that's where our company's moving to. Um, I try to be, uh, I try to uh, separate myself from uh, things like, I mean, again, Bitcoin's the original coin and I love it for that because of what it brought to the table over the past few years or past close to a decade now, I think. Um, but I, I try to limit my, my, my exposure and my personal attachment to tokens and to information that is not related to DeFi because I think that decentralized finance is the future of finance. And um, therefore I try to pivot my image towards something that actually has utilities, something, the products that do have the potential to be something in the future. And actually, you know, it's been, it's already getting to that point right now. What are your thoughts on, let's say, old way of managing finance, whether it be banks and governments? What do you think about when it comes to how DeFi is progressing 
when countries and governments and banks start to create their own it's almost like the utility and the ease of creation as you mentioned before could potentially cause the same people to essentially control the industry all over again like it's not going to really change all that much it's just going to go virtual instead of offline well i mean honestly that's the best case scenario is that the governments and the banking systems and everything are going to pivot to uh, decentralized finance, and they're going to use the blockchain for that reason. Um, because if they do, that information in that is now public, although it's pseudonymous, it is public information that is tangible that someone can read directly off the blockchain and can track every single transaction. Um, and not just that, if they do implement decentralized finance the same way that, you know, myself and other founders have been doing, that means that the average person can get involved. So if a bank, for example, creates a smart contract where they offer um, lending rates on you know, US dollar, et cetera, um, that is very easy for the average person to take advantage of and earn higher interest rates than the current banking system is offering because they won't have, banks won't have the huge overhead that they currently do and their CEOs won't be getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to do, you know, bare minimums, um, at least in the banking system, that is. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly a good thing. It just really depends on how it's how governments and banks approach the situation. Like if they apply their same poison to the blockchain technology, then the, at that point, they're not really abiding by what blockchain and DeFi really is. Do they have to do that? Do they have to abide by the same rules as everybody else because of how the transparency is set up and can we as a community conflict with it or go against it or call them out on it if they don't necessarily stick to it like how much regulation is there in terms of playing by the the rules essentially i mean technically yeah they don't have to abide by it uh, that's the thing is you know they could essentially use blockchain technology and it's just still private it's still in their hands and at that point it's no different than them basically having an sql database so um they could do that you know if for people in crypto it would just be completely a waste of time uh, no one in crypto would probably utilize it maybe the average person would but that's really what uh these companies currently in DeFi are trying to do and so what we're trying to do as well is to simplify the entire uh, decentralized finance process to uh, onboard those regular people and give them all the perks of this automation and you know smart contract interaction uh, before they get trapped in by the banks and you know we repeat the same exact process for the next few decades. That's an interesting point, actually, because. Correct me if I'm wrong, but crypto became this pay-to-play system that took off so quickly that the average person that didn't understand it, it was almost like it was too late for those people now because it's already taken off. And unless you can really get involved at a high level, it's so difficult. Like, yeah, you can break down a Bitcoin into parts of one, but you still may never actually ever own a full one it's always going to be parts of it it's always going to be such a small scale for those people yeah um yeah i mean on the investment side yeah that's definitely a problem um but it still has a long way way to go um it's still 
people are still doubtful of it um, for good reasons, um, and it still has a long ways to go. But on the DeFi side, there's things that the average person can get involved in, uh, but they probably don't know how. Um, so to give you an example, there's um, automated market making uh, platforms such as Uniswap and um, and PancakeSwap, or there's uh, lending protocols uh, such as Compound, where you can earn pretty significant interest rate on a stable coin, on US dollars. You can just deposit in there and earn anywhere from just a couple percentage to up to 10 to 15% in a stable coin. Um, and that's, you know, a bank's never going to do that. Uh, I think the interest rate on for the past five or six years, it was like 0.1% or something on a savings account. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're on the other hand, they're lending that out to other people on credit cards and houses for anywhere from, you know, two to 20%. Um, but all those percentage of points are being swallowed by the thousands of employees that they have to hire, the CEO that's getting bonuses every year, um, their stock buybacks, et cetera. Uh, whereas with DeFi, they're, you're getting exactly what the other person is paying for them to borrow your funds. That is what I really want to focus on is for people that can benefit from the changes or the growth of the industry. Like what sort of things that you mentioned before, what else is that? How can we get involved? How can the layperson that doesn't really need to know anything apart from money in versus money out? Typically, that's kind of how far the average person would typically go. They won't need to know the ins and outs of the whole blockchain technology space they just want to know okay where shall i put the money that i'm making and where is the best place to do that so what are the options out there for people and break it down for us i'll give you the floor a little bit so you can give the the best in the best information that you got honestly uh it's fairly difficult <laughs> if you're uh, i mean if you're buying a token it's fairly easy for the average person you know you download your coinbase application and you have access to you know about 100 tokens that you can invest in but you know that's uh, that's the investment side that can go belly up you know especially in a bear market like this it could uh, potentially backfire on you um but if you are in, interested in, in in investing in tokens um to be honest a long-term investment now is probably the best time. Uh, people try to buy the um, invest in tokens that are on the way up, and that's never a good plan. Um, some of the tokens currently that are around, and I know you said you don't like the term buy the div, but there are some that are worthwhile. Uh, for example, and this is not investment advice for anyone, I'm extremely um uh, confident in Ethereum personally, and if I personally had any money that w- I wasn't investing in my own company, I'd be buying Ethereum myself, um, simply because there's just so much being built on top of it, and it's been shown to be very uh, a long-term uh, company, I guess I should say. Um, we're building on top of it actually as well. So um, Ethereum is some of those type of tokens that you'll see, you know, research into it, spend a lot of time. I mean, you're not just, you know, gambling. Um, you're actually investing in a company. Um, people 
have already heard of Apple, they probably use their, you know, products or, you know, Mercedes or whatever, you've already heard of those companies. So when you're buying a stock for them, you're like, oh yeah, I know them. Like, of course they're going to do well. But with crypto, when you're first getting in, involved and, you know, first downloading the Coinbase application, you see Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, et cetera, you have probably have no clue what they are. Um, so at that point, you actually have to take time and understand what those companies are doing um, and see if it's the right fit for you. Just don't just, you know, oh, I'm just going to buy $20 of all these different tokens and then hope that it goes up. Um, now, that's straight up gambling at that point. I think that is what people that haven't already invested or already adopted the cryptocurrency and blockchain space, that's what they're worried about more so, is it feels like too big of a risk. And unfortunately, speculation, the marketing, the impression, the PR, I guess, for the cryptocurrency space is not very consistent. And I think that is part of what it is in a way. Like, why would it be consistent in a way? But equally, it doesn't do them any favors, does it really? When you think about it in that way, like it's it's right in a way, it's speculative. Most things are, but it doesn't do it any favors when you can invest in something completely different and probably have more predictability around it. Yeah, and uh, honestly, so let's, I guess, flip the script on the other side. So something that's a little less speculative and more um, interesting and more um, uh, has more potential, I guess, for the average person. Now, this is much more difficult for the average person to do, and this is actually what we're working on, trying to simplify this process. But there's a multitude of stable coins out there. Uh, USDC is... Um, is one of the more favorable ones because you know they're um, they've done audits and they're backed by several big companies uh, out there. Um, they're owned by Circle, Coinbase supports them, etc. Um, you could potentially take your dollars, convert it to USDC, and then take that USDC and deposit it into different lending protocols or different decentralized finance protocols. Now. That takes a little bit of work. You need to understand what you're doing. And unfortunately, that's you know fairly difficult right now. But you could earn a few percentage points just simply parking your US dollar um, into one of these protocols. You're providing liquidity. And then the people on the other side are utilizing that liquidity still on chain um, to do whatever they want with it, whether it's you know trade, they could even borrow it to you know buy a house, whatever it might be. Um, and you're getting those percentage directly rather than just having your savings sitting in your bank account doing absolutely nothing for you. Um, especially with, you know, inflation and everything, people are probably stacking as much savings as they can and earning absolutely nothing off of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's potential there. Even if you don't invest in tokens, there are ways to utilize your dollar um, to earn some interest that you probably wouldn't have been able to um in the regular financial world i've actually had a couple of conversations with people in similar situations to yourself they're all about DeFi and whether they're companies or apps or platforms and that they've all got a different take on the idea of trying to prevent things like the banks and governments just regulating everything all over again like nothing necessarily changes which if blockchain is to be followed through when you follow that train of thought a big part of 
why it came about was to fight against this control and lack of transparency. And yet, potentially, nothing will necessarily change aside from the cost of running the system. Like, as you said, like banks won't have to charge a lot of money to run, to organize everything. They can do things on a shoestring budget, so to speak. And is that the best case scenario? Because obviously we're a few years into the blockchain space now, way back when it was probably much different compared much different. It was probably a lot different from what it used to be. Is that the best case scenario where it's just cheaper and less barrier for entry or do you see a world where it's not necessarily 90% or 99% of the wealth is essentially governed or managed or controlled by the select few like do you see that still happening with DeFi and blockchain or do you see a very different scenario um I still see it happening in DeFi, but at least there's potential. Um, usually, I mean, independent of what, um, even when you're running a business, I, I forgot what the rule is, but I think it's like 30, 70 split or something like that, where 30%, I think it's even less actually, where majority of your audience is, majority of people are not going to be in the top tier, it doesn't matter what you do, what type of business it is. If they're, if you're talking about their financial situations, it's just how it stacks up. Like you're still going to have a concentration of wealth. And we see that in, in, in crypto, you can track wallets and you will see these wallets that have hundreds of millions of dollars sitting in there earning another 10 or $20 million per year, just by parking their money, which is insane. Um, so there is a huge concentration of wealth in crypto. And I think that will remain just because of the human nature of it. Um, it's applied to everything since the beginning of, of age. Uh, the several individuals out of a group will always be able to uh, acquire more resources and wealth uh, than the rest. Uh, but having said that, with open finance, you can, there's two things. One, you can track to make sure those people aren't doing anything illegal um potentially transmitting transferring funds to you know shady individuals and in funding terrorism or uh illegal things that they shouldn't be um so that's one aspect of crypto that's going to make it a little easier to track wealthy individuals and make sure they're abiding by laws and the other aspect is it gives the potential for um someone that is on the um and on the middle class or lower class to take advantage and utilize their money appropriately without getting taken advantage of by the banking industry. Um, so they can actually interact with these smart contracts themselves, earn interest rather than, you know, getting fleeced by people that are more knowledgeable than them. That seems like a running theme though, doesn't it? Like people with the resources and, and knowledge and wisdom to to act on it, I guess. They've been getting ahead since as far as we can remember. And I think part of the concern, I guess, from a lot of people is nothing's ever really going to change. It's just going to round out eventually and the people with the information and the resources will win out no matter what the world looks like, whether it's virtual or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason that 
people in this business are so against regulation and probably some of your other guests have, you know, don't want the government involved because what I could foresee happening is that the government gets involved and they start uh, giving business to people that have the money to lobby it. Uh, and which in this scenario would be big banks. Um, I actually just saw an article that came out about um, uh, the government trying to potentially banning Juul, uh, like the e-cig vape, which like when I saw that, like, yes, yes, Juul has potentially caused a lot of teenagers to become addicted to nicotine. But on the other hand, you had hundreds of years to ban cigarettes. like what were you doing you know back then Mm. to prevent the current generation from being addicted to something that literally causes straight cancer um so i think that's the same scenario and and it's because you know these big tobacco lobbied it and you know they're um they're the government's never going to enforce a cigarette ban um or maybe not in my lifetime i don't know we'll see um but I think it's the same scenario here. If the government gets involved, I think people like such as myself are afraid that they're going to enforce regulation that is going to choke out the smaller guys and for the, the big corporations, for the big banks. And we're going to go back to the same exact situation we were before cryptocurrency. So how do we prevent that? What's actually the solution? Oh, is it not working again? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear yeah. you now. Yeah. All right. So, what's actually the solution then? Like, what's going? Like, what's the best way? What? How do we actually not repeat the same mistakes as previous generations have? Yeah, no, I've had this question before, and I've mentioned it. Um, I think the best way to allow growth in this business is to definitely there needs to be some sort of regulation because there's just so many scammers um, that are just getting away with pumping and dumping whatever they want and whatever they can. Yeah. Um, Especially since we saw, I don't know if you paid attention to uh, three arrows capital, um, a a hedge fund acting as a VC basically, Um, which in what they were doing, I I don't think is, I mean, it's skirting the law and it would be, very closely monitored in the capital markets. Um, you just can't invest in companies and then potentially screw them over in the aftermarkets by pumping and dumping them. But um, I think there needs to be regulation, but regulation created by people that are more into this field rather than government officials that are being lobbied by God knows who. Um, so if you're going to set up an oversight committee. If I was, if I was someone that actually cared about this business, which I am, and I was in the government uh, office, I would set up an oversight committee that is, you know, half of them are actual lawmakers that have a tendency to understand cryptocurrency, that know what cryptocurrency is, and the other half is actual developers and founders and et cetera of companies that have a full, deep understanding of cryptocurrency. That way they can come to an agreement on how the law should be enacted in order to propel the growth of cryptocurrency rather than hinder it or split it apart where only the rich can, you know, create businesses in crypto and take advantage of everyone else. How would you suggest they stay objective then? How would you... Muted de- again. 
I've muted again. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay. Um, but how would you encourage them to be objective and make decisions based off the right things and right information? Because if you follow the train of thought slightly, let's say you go off a majority information. So you look at where you can do the most good or benefit the most people that's typically based on like more than 51 or so percent of the information so that you can benefit the most people you're inevitably going to miss out on the 49 or 50 percent of all the other decisions if you just take objective facts and figures into account you're going to miss out a few hundreds of millions of people depending on how you base your decisions so it seems like even true objectivity benefiting the most people surely that can't just be how you base your decisions because you're still going to miss out on a lot of other people that need to and probably should get involved yeah i mean there's always um the ability for the government to take you know little steps at a time not just come out like china did it's like oh by the way cryptocurrency is banned um there's always the ability to go forward but there is not an ability to go back um if china came out today and said you know we're unbanning cryptocurrency um yeah it would have a good impact on the market but they've potentially bankrupted multiple companies that were in china that had to literally fly off to a different country and establish yeah, a business and some couldn't do that um so that if we are talking about an agency that is overlooking cryptocurrency and then implementing laws and regulations you know take it as taking it one step at a time let's say you know they're tackling um uh, uh, pump and dump schemes um having someone that's monitoring them and making sure that I mean, at least that is something that majority of people can agree on. Like, you know, majority of people can agree that there should not be pump and dump schemes. Yeah. Um, so taking that one step and seeing how the market reacts and taking the next step, the next step and making sure that everyone, the, not only the businesses, but the um, users of this, uh, of this uh, category of business are protected as well. Um, and, you know, uh, if you get a little too far ahead of yourself, then you can just stop. You can assess whether the um, the market has improved uh, based on your regulations, and if it has, well, you just you just added regulation that is beneficial has been beneficial for everyone involved. Is there a way of knowing beforehand, or is it just a case of we're gonna mutually agree, try it, and see what happens? Is there a way of testing it? Because I think um, apps like Facebook, they trial features and things with a, a small handful of people. Is that possible on the blockchain as well? That you don't have to change the whole system completely? I mean, there's uh, potentials for, I mean, you, I'm not sure how regulation would uh, only impact a, a small subset of people. If, uh, you know, USA government implemented law, I would imagine it would have to be uh, a blanket law uh, applying to every single company. But um, I mean, uh, yeah, I really don't see how it would have to be essentially a blanket law uh, for everyone. But there's, you know, we see it from other countries and other nations that have Im implemented certain uh, regulations. So there's examples out there 
Um, and even in the United States itself, there are certain states that have implemented regulations that have been detrimental to cryptocurrency, like New York's, uh, the, the, I can't remember the name of it. Um, they implemented the, basically like a crypto um, law that is, was written by someone who ended up literally quitting his government job and going to work for the same companies that were uh, built license. <laughs> I think it was called built license. Wow. Um, he wrote the regulation himself and then created a company that helps other companies acquire the license that he wrote, which is insanely <laughs> difficult to get. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it's definitely becoming like a, a wild, wild west that we're now starting to understand enough to be yeah. able to make it safer and better for everyone. It started off like anyone and everyone got involved. And similar to the internet, I guess, is that there are lots of people that will pretend things or say anything. And I think regulation, but in a way that benefits everybody, is probably the only way you could possibly prevent the blockchain space becoming just internet again, all over again. And I wonder if it's actually possible. Have you ever sat down and asked yourself, had the thought experiment of if I was to create a rule that would benefit everybody in the blockchain, crypto, NFT space, what would you do? Have you ever had that? Um, I've thought a little bit about it and it's honestly a, a difficult, um, I mean, that's the thing is like, um, if I was on that committee, I, I would have to spend a long time and a long discussion uh, with everyone else to figure out exactly how to do it. Um, just the nature of uh, decentralized finance makes it very, very difficult to regulate. Um, and like it really like I've thought about it and I have absolutely no clue where you would even start uh, uh, like it's uh, because if you prevent people from being able to interact with these smart contracts because they have to take you know uh, additional steps of verification and this and that you're hindering that money flow from coming in and from that user from taking advantage of that system um but on the other hand, if you don't do those steps, then you could potentially, that person could be, you know, a hacker or scammer or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden you've let them through the doorway and they could wreak havoc. Um, so it is a, a difficult concept that I have. It's, it's not in my tool shed. <laughs> I'll leave that to, you know, people that know law and uh, uh, can hopefully uh, write the proper regulation for us. Well, it definitely seems like to a certain point, you're going to have to sacrifice the user experience. If you don't have any clarification or regulation or verification of anything, then you don't have any way of verifying anything. It becomes like, a, okay, it's dead easy, it's dead quick. But the reason why it's so quick and so easy and so seamless is because you could just one click and it's done. And there's nobody to verify it, no one to fact check it, no one to do much of anything. But then is that not why it's so popular as well? Like it's so popular because of the dysregulation of it and it's not massively controlled by anybody 
to the best of my knowledge. Is that not why it's done so well? So with the regulation, the verification process and everything else that you've spoken about, would that not actually make it less popular and not much different to what what happened before blockchain? Like people would just go back and say, well, I'm regulated heavily no matter what. I may as well just stick to what I'm already doing. I mean, there could be some middle ground as well. I think I, I was talking to someone uh, that was um, working on a product where it was using NFTs to create a um, uh, create a tag, basically like an online ID, um, and this NFT would be attached to, I guess, your wallet or your address, um, and anything that you do on the blockchain would be attached to it. So it has your fingerprint. Um, now, how that would happen in the actual legal system because um at least with your fingerprint on it even though it's at that point a little anonymous um or i guess pseudo anonymous there is someone that you can go back to and and complain to or arrest or whatever it might be but i just don't know how that would work in in the the regulation or in, in the legal world like how do you make sure that the person does stay anonymous unless they do something wrong. Um, that part, I mean, maybe in, in 10 years when this this business gets more developed, there could be some yeah. potentials there. I mean, it sounds like a very dangerous position if you, God forbid, get hacked and you've got to change your fingerprints and your thumbprints, so you've got to yeah. have a new set of hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was actually. Um, I don't know if you saw this. I, I'm. Not, I don't like talking badly about projects, so I'll be very careful on how I phrase this. But um, there was a company that raised. I mean, an insane amount of money. I think they raised like a hundred million dollars at like a close to a billion dollar valuation, um, and it was like this orb um, where they're trying to onboard people into cryptocurrency using their retina scanner so it's like this little orb that sits in like i guess stores or something i don't know it was the weirdest thing um you you scan your eye and your eye um essentially now has cryptocurrency your eye scan has cryptocurrency attached like they give you like a token or something so then you can go into like other places and scan your eye and um i guess pay for goods i i really couldn't even understand what their end goal was to be honest it actually (laughs) sounds like it's so different compared to like okay well i need to submit my driving license and my passport and all of that to get verified on social media now i've got to give you my eye it's a bit uh it's a bit out there yeah i know it's um it seems kind of counterproductive to you know uh, the anonymous nature of uh, cryptocurrency i have to go into a store and you know scan my eye give a another detail about myself just to just to make a payment that's what i i couldn't understand how they were raising that much money it was just uh kind of insane to me it feels like my inside leg measurement is like a more beneficial I thing i've cut <laughs> off again <sighs> yeah it actually sounds like knowing my inside leg measurement is probably going to be safer than i'll give you my retina scans to prove who i yeah. am i'd rather have a bit more information that isn't taking over my eyeballs and my fingerprints yeah. and everything. It's, I'd, ra- I'd rather like, you know, my width of my head or something stupid. I'd rather <laughs> have something a bit less 
like intrusive, then okay, I'm gonna scan my eyeball and it's gonna be out there for everyone to see just to prove who I am. It's like it was it's bad enough trying to get verified on the current system of social media. Yeah. And now we're gonna replace that with okay, let's all scan our eyes and and see which one is you and we'll figure the rest out as we go along. Yeah, um, I, just like this additional identifying information. I mean, I would rather give someone my name and address than have to like, you know, scan my eye at, at some random store and location. Um, at least with, you know, the Apple, I have a little more trust in them. Uh, but some random cryptocurrency company that popped up overnight and, you know, scanning my retina on their machines just doesn't seem uh, really good to me. It seems more beneficial to just get the current system right. Like you could transfer yeah. the you know passport, driving license, whatever it is. Just make sure that is nailed down completely. Whether you've got to scan your face and then scan the driving license and passport to make sure that your head matches the picture, that sort of thing, yeah. and then make sure that everyone did that. It's, it's it seems better and a lot safer than having retina scans just to prove you it, it seems massive like bringing a bazooka to a knife fight like everyone's there fighting yeah. with knives and you go well here's a bazooka we're gonna have to have <laughs> scans of your eyes which makes me think well who would get involved with who'd actually get involved with the industry with the space if you had to have eye scans before you get involved yeah, I mean, their goal was really um, allowing this to take place in even like third world countries because, you know, they might not have IDs and stuff. But at the same time, you know, someone that's in a third world country, you know, they might in a position where they don't have IDs uh, or birth certificate or something like that. Chances are they're just dealing with cash like they're never going to really deal with uh and they're not even going to understand the technology anyways. You're going to tell them that they're skinning their eye to utilize this cryptocurrency. They're going to lose you almost immediately anyway. So it doesn't really matter at that point. Um, I think it's and, hard enough as it is as well. Like, it's hard enough yeah, to get involved yeah. without adding an extra layer or two to what we actually have to give them. Like, I, I come from a generation where my parents and grandparents still don't like having their phone numbers anywhere or their address anywhere. And now it's like, okay, well, the world's in, the world's decentralized now. Um, we need your eyes and your fingerprints. Yeah, um, I can only imagine like the conspiracy theories that would pop up uh, from <laughs> from certain yeah. people that were just like, um, I think my dad would be one of them, just going crazy about the the having his eye scanned. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where you I think got you're muted again. I'm muted again. Has it, has it come up now? Are we okay? Yep. All right. Yeah, we're good. I think we're, we're going through a phase of having to keep up with the early adopters while people still haven't even entered the space yet. Like there's almost like, a, I don't know whether it's like goalposts or wiggle room margin for error. Like there is a bit of an area where you can keep up with the early adopters while also making it inclusive for those that are new. Like, like can you imagine it being 100% transparent? You need to give them every bit of information possible. And then someone's brand new, never heard of it before, comes in 
and they have a hard time proving they are who they say they are anyway, now all of a sudden they've got this massive barrier for entry that isn't cost of entry anymore because let's say everything's more accessible now from a financial standpoint but now an accessibility standpoint becomes the bigger barrier for entry than how much money I have to invest. It's like, how far do you take it where the early adopters are fine with it because they've been used to it since way back when and they think it's a positive step forwards. Someone that's brand new might be like, well, I've got to give them all this information just to buy some tokens or coins or currency that I can't even spend yet. Like, where does this stop where where is it going to go or what what point did we say you know what financially easier but utility wise and ease of use has completely gone above and beyond what most people would even pretend to be okay with yeah so there's um actually uh now that you mentioned it there are ways to separate out those two groups in a way that it's still decentralized but at the same time um has a little more control as well. Um, so currently there's this new era of um, wallets that are coming out and we've been exploring it ourselves. Um, they're called smart contract wallets. So instead of it being you know, private keys that allow you access to your funds immediately, they're actually smart contracts themselves and it allows um, different aspects. So they, the wallet itself can allow automation. Um, so you can set like recovery on it. Uh, if you end up losing access or your phone gets lost or you drop it in the water or whatever, um, there could be recovery uh, from other wallet addresses um, and, and certain different recovery steps that can be done. So these smart contracts can be developed in a multitude of different ways. Um, and one of them could be that you allow new users to deposit funds into the smart contract. They still have access to their funds, but in order to take you know, certain steps, they have to do the verification process. Um, so it's still on the blockchain itself and they still have access to it, but you could potentially limit um, their exposure uh, until they take those additional steps to uh, verify their account. That makes sense, actually, from a way of it's transparent to a degree, but it's within what you're comfortable with. Like if I'm not comfortable to do a certain thing or I want people to verify certain things before they take payments or transfer funds, that kind of thing, that's almost like signing for a delivery or something along yeah. those lines. It's something that's convenient enough to verify payments and transactions but it's not completely intrusive that I have to do this every single time. It ruins the experience and the seamlessness, I suppose, of the system. Yep, exactly. Um, they're, they're actually, these smart contract wallets have been very uh, interesting and I think that could be a, a step forward to separate out those two groups and do the same thing that, you know, um, I mean, it's done right now with centralized exchanges, you know, with Coinbase, you have to, uh, when you first sign up, you have certain limitations on how much you can buy until you start, you know, going through the multiple verification steps. And that same concept could be done uh, in a decentralized manner using a smart contract wallet. Share more about your company then. I'm very interested to hear what you're up to, what projects you've got on the horizon and how can people enter your world? Yeah. Um, so as far as our company, um, it, Orox it basically started off as an all-in-one training terminal. Our 
when we were first investing in you know 2016 2017 um, we were kind of tired with the the data and the information that was out there um, we wanted to see the entire market um, in, in one screen every single token every single exchange we wanted our proprietary indicators in there etc so we created that for ourselves and then released it in uh, September of 2020. And then right now it's live. Anyone can go to the website, access it. The product's actually free uh, to use. Um, and you get that data from 60, about 60 exchanges, over a hundred thousand different pairs. Um, you can track, monitor, set alerts, use our proprietary analytics tools, et cetera, to make better uh, and more educated decisions. Um, and you, we have like guides and everything in, in there as well. Um, but the next steps that we're taking, which was, you know, um, this was, I guess, the goal when we first released um, the terminal in September, it was to uh, leverage decentralized finance to uh, simplify trading and make it easier for the average person. Um, we're going we're gonna to implement the same uh, DeFi order routing uh, smart contracts into our terminal, the mobile application that's coming out, and um, the browser extension wallet that's also coming out very soon. Um, all of them rely on DeFi and allow users to very quickly take advantage and trade tens of thousands of tokens, be able to deposit money into these protocols and earn interest without um, all the complex steps that currently exist today. How can someone get involved with cryptocurrency if they haven't? What's the easiest way for someone to get involved? I mean, it sounds like the company that, that you have, the, the platform that you have is very straightforward in terms of helping people assimilate the information because there's so much out there. It's so difficult to make any sense of it whatsoever. So based on what you said there, I definitely recommend that people check it out and use it. And you mentioned that it's free. So people may as well do it to make their lives easier, I suppose, right? But once they've decided, okay, I am going to give this blockchain thing a go. I'm going to have a crack at it, right? What's the next step? Is it just a case of, well, I need a wallet and then I'm good to go? Like what? Do people have to do? Well, I'm uh, hopefully they they uh, come across our platform when we release our mobile application. Uh, but uh, in the meanwhile, it's really about uh, there's just not a lot of. I mean, there are centralized exchanges, and they've done a good job about trying to educate um, the new oncoming audience. Um, but having said that, this is why we're going the more decentralized route. Um, these exchanges, at the end of the day, they'll um, they're in it for the profit. Um, so they listed tokens on their exchange that seems like it, it was a pretty bad idea. Um, like Shiba and some of these other meme tokens that are extremely, extremely speculative. Um, exchanges like, uh, and I'm not going to mention their names, but the, these specific exchanges have it, have the power and the control to prevent uh, the average person from being taken advantage of, and they haven't. Um, they've actually just cared about their bottom line at the end of the day. Wow. Um, but with these decentralized finance, with our mobile application, you have access to every token. So there's not like this pump that's going to happen because we list. We actually took steps to list the token. What we're going to be doing is actually, you know, putting up borders to make sure that certain tokens, you know 
the user is aware that this token it might not be might be a scam or a honeypot or a pump and dump or things like that. So we're going to give them the access, but we're going to tell them we're going to give them access to everything essentially to the entire decentralized finance, and then let them know that there's certain things that they need to be careful of. Um, where centralized exchanges, they'll list the token, and because they list it, it'll just go sky high for a day, um, and then, you know, uh, down the other. So after people that decide to get involved, hopefully they they check out what you've got as well, because it sounds like it's very objective. Like you're not trying to push people into investing in certain tokens, which it was interesting actually seeing how many people promoted tokens purely because they drive the value up the more people invest in it too so there's a real sense of like invest in this thing i have as well and because of how many people blindly follow that person that then drives the amount up and lo and behold the person that previously promoted it has now sold all of their token at a huge profit because of how many people have gone oh it's low let's do it and they drive the price up and before you know it all they've got to do they could make their living on doing that every couple of weeks or every month and that's all they need to survive financially because everyone just blindly follows what that other person did Oh yeah, um, it's uh, the influencers in this business. Uh, I don't even know if I would, influencers is a good term for some of these people. What they're doing, <laughs> um, they're not only are they getting paid to promote those tokens, and sometimes tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, but they're also pre-buying it because they know that they're going to promote it. So they made money from the company that wants the promotion, which that company might want a real promotion, but they know that if they speak about it, the token price is going to go up. So they're going to buy it anyways. Um, so they take advantage of their users and there's been, and it's, it's funny because in bear markets, all these, uh, those type of people start getting called out pretty frequently. Um, so um, I've, seen a few threads on twitter where um some of these people are getting a little more and more called out because people are so they have they have nothing else to do except you know they're in fear right now so they're going out there and and throwing shade at, at everyone that has has wronged them yeah it happens more happens so much more than people i think are aware of and the reason why i bring up awareness is if you don't no like if your if your sample size is the person that you follow and that's the only real knowledge base that you you have access to it can be very easy to be taken in by someone that you've trusted with something else to then trust with blockchain cryptocurrency help or suggestions or and they all say it's not financial advice i know you mentioned that before so i get that as well i get that quite a bit these days and then they proceed to give advice and encourage you to buy it after saying that it's not advice i'm not going to encourage you to buy it i think it doesn't actually help the situation doesn't help the industry that's reliant essentially on trust and that's why decentralization came out is because people aren't particularly trustworthy and trusting as much as they used to it's very strange to have those contradictions in the same place and as someone that also 
has people that trust me and they trust the way that, that I, I speak and the way that my, my brain tends to work. It's almost like it's doing the industry a disservice in a way if it goes too heavy down the regulation side. But then equally, that could be what it takes for people to actually trust it because of what's happened in the past. Everything we've spoken about could literally be the only way anyone else that hasn't already invested would even trust the system. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like it, it's a problem in, in two sides. One, uh, the, the influencers and stuff, obviously, they need to be uh, more careful about how they give advice. Um, and then the other part is um, they actually shouldn't be giving advice in the first place. They should be talking about the technology behind the company. Um, and not, you know, this token is, is primed to go up. Like that's not, um, you would never get away with that in the capital market. Um, I mean, maybe not never, but you, you'd have to watch your back after, after a few of those videos. Um, but it's also on the consumer as well, because there's like two groups. There's one group that, um, is, uh, watching these videos because they know it's going to pump and they, they know that it's going to pump and dump. They are literally watching them just to take advantage of it themselves. They know that they can get in because everyone else is going to buy uh, because this guy's talking about it and then they can dump it on everyone else. So that's one part is that these people are just taking advantage of everyone else. The other part is the people that actually get caught um, that think that their token is, is worth investing. The company's worth investing because so-and-so said so um that part of the audience should honestly spend more time uh being more educated about what they're purchasing um i mean i don't think it, it's just it's so easy to invest in cryptocurrency after you've become a little accustomed to it it's like a click of a button in in most places um that they're not spending the time that is necessary for them to you know, uh, learn about what this company does. And um, I mean, it's, it's become the same a little bit in Robinhood, but at least people are still spending a little bit of time understanding the company and, um, or sorry, become a little more com common in the capital markets because of, of Robinhood, uh, because it's still on there. It's like one click process too. But I think there's just more uh, research that goes behind investing in the capital markets. Whereas in crypto, people are just, investing back and forth without it's just numbers on the screen uh it's a ticker symbol and numbers on the screen and they just buy um without any concern about what the company does behind the, the scenes well i i do i do really appreciate how philosophical that you've been today i appreciate the thought experiments and going as deep as we can i think we need more deeper conversations around something that benefits from speculation. I think we need a bit more heavy hitting conversations like this one. So I appreciate you taking the time. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And aside from the platform, the app that's coming out soon, how can people learn more about you, you on social media? I know Twitter's a big in the blockchain space and Discord, if I'm right in saying that. How can people find you and more about you um yeah i mean you can find our company on twitter um i think yeah we're on facebook linkedin all that stuff personally i'm not a social media person you can you know connect with me on linkedin if you want um 
otherwise, you know, uh, you can always find me uh, through my email address or something like that if anyone wants to contact me. But I'm not really a huge uh, social media person. Great. Yeah, it's not not for everybody. Not everyone's cup of tea. Then you cut but, out a little um, bit there. Yeah. Oh, did I cut out? That's okay. Yeah. Uh, Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Georgi, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. If you want to join a group of like-minded people that are all out to achieve their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, and they get the help and support from me, and the other members, then my inner circle is for you. There's a link in the description for this episode to get two months free of the inner circle. So you set your membership up, you get two months free access. Hopefully I'll see you there and I look forward to helping you on your journey of achieving the life that you want.